What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This Haberman of Middlecoff segment is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use the promo code HAM1. That's HAM in the numeral one for a 50% bonus at sign up. Now to the segment. Let's start with game six. Uh, this was, um, I told you, we talked about this. Game five was as alive as I felt in a long time watching a Warrior game. You know, uh, like eating a good mango, your mouth comes to life. It's like, oh, this, the colors, all the world turns to color uh, all of a sudden. It was just, it, it was it was the old days, John. You, they say you can't go back, but felt like we did. And then game six was incredible. And we had two different game six watching experiences. What what were you? Tell me about your game six watching experience. Uh, first half, I met, met a friend out. Uh, feet lady friend watched the first half I, I wasn't quite feeling comfortable because I wasn't being able to take it all in there was this weirdo sitting next to me never shut up at a bar so I'm like, L- listen yeah I mean kind of I met her for dinner she was not the weirdo no she was not uh they'll probably never talk to her again that she was uh I just had to get home I'm like I, I gotta get home and watch the second half you can come over I know we just met uh, but if you don't want, I, I'm going home to watch this. This means this means a lot to me in my life. Again, more because I was rooting, I was hate watching and hate rooting for the Rockets to implode. Also taking great joy in the Tom Brady of the NBA, and it's the three guys: it's Draymond, it's Clay, and it's Steph. And their their games were playing out all a little differently. Like Iguodala and and Iguodala, I think you can throw him in there because he's been a core four. Like that's their core four. When I think of their greatness, obviously they're led by the Splash Bros. Draymond's having an all-time great playoffs, but I can yeah. feel it. I'm like, this is fucking, this is a special night. I can just, it's weird. I don't know who's gonna win, or, uh, but I gotta get home. So I get home, and then guys, just, it was incredible. It's, it's, I, I was a little bit prisoner of the moment because I think if you go back Game Six, OKC, that's the greatest moment. Like that is the defining moment of the era. Like that was their peak. Uh, Playing. I don't know if it's the yeah. So I peak, yes, peak I, wrong. Peak no, no. Wrong, I don't know if it's war. defining, but it's if you could take one moment 
and experience that one moment over and over again, that's what I would pick is that. I, I, I was driving to the gym on Saturday morning and our buddy Dickinson, he was actually on, I think with Cozumore and they had Tim Bontemps on mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. And Tim was like, listen, I, I've been covering the NBA now for 12 years or whatever. I've been to countless big games over and over. He, he said that OKC is just in all the games I've ever been to. That was the best game of it. Like in that moment in the arena, I've just never been in it. And he's like the second, which I think is a distant second, was the game seven LeBron. So like that would be right up there. That's a historic win. But Clay at 41, Steph at 31, 10 and nine. But to me, guy, the way it played out, they were a seven point dog, the biggest underdog they've been in the career. Steph, because the way I'm watching, I couldn't tell he had no points. I knew it wasn't going well. And I knew he was in foul trouble because he wasn't in the game. And Clay was going nuts, just hitting shots. It, it was like, God, Clay fucking kept him in the game. And then the way the game ended with, again, so much joy. And I, I, I call them, I don't call, I, I call them this, but I, I believe this. I'm not even trying to be like facetious or be funny. Those two guys, for being all-time great players, James is going to go down as one of the best isolation individual offensive players ever. And the media anointed Chris the point god. Now, he's not that guy anymore, but for a long time, everyone viewed Chris for like a seven or eight-year stretch as the best point guard in the NBA. They are historically poor big game players. Both of them had had historical low moments in big spots as the favorite guy. Like, that's... It's well, not just happened one time. It's happened multiple times throughout their careers. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, to me... And, and same with Mike. To like, me, say what you want about Mike. He I, always loses that game, guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he had... Steve Nash got hurt uh, in one of the... On probably the best team he ever had in the postseason. For, but for I understand. reason, it always just goes against get, him. Yeah, I get it. Look, I, I to me, that, that, that game was more about the Warriors being great than the Rockets being soft. But, but, but guy, I, guy, they could not have come back despite Steph going nuts without some of the dumbest turnovers oh, I understand. in the most critical moments but this in is, the history of a big game. But, but this is how these games happen. But that's how these big games ha- Like The team that loses usually isn't perfect, and the team that wins usually makes incredible plays. Um, I'm just saying, I, to me, it was more about Steph than anything else because at the end of the day, yeah, they were not favored, but like I remember before that game just thinking, like, wait a second, the war- Steph Curry, Clay Thompson... Draymond Green, I know it's not Game 7, but I think they got to know their backs are kind of against the wall because they know they're not getting Kevin back. So these guys who have won multiple titles have been through fires together. They're a seven-point underdog? But again, guys, I think most people thought maybe that crossed your mind. It did not me. I heard Anthony Slater well, on I their just podcast. Thought of it like, John, I just thought most of it like people this. people thought they were going to get beat and I, blown well, out. Yeah, I'm not saying I knew they were going to win at all. I'm not saying that, but... You just take a step back. I, we always do this with basketball. It's like, okay, let's just go through the best players in this series. Who are they? And I think one thing that happened with the Warriors was, and I was, I, be, I was saying this after, on the last podcast before game six, just because you look at Steph during the series and go, well, he hasn't played his best basketball. To me, once you take Kevin away, now who Steph is and who Clay is changes. But I think we've forgotten that kind of over kind the last of, couple but years. Because Kevin's been maybe, so fucking good. Maybe, but this is the point I made before the game on this podcast was let, don't assume that Steph isn't a better player when Kevin's that, – that he isn't a better player when Kevin's gone. Like, uh, what, what, oh, I said it's like fight or flight. Like, you lose Kevin and everyone else has to grow a little bigger. You raise the, the top of a plant 
planter box and the plants grow a little taller. Like this is part of what's going to happen, I think. Then Steph had no points at halftime, and I thought, like, God, my theory, not a great theory. But I'm just saying, to me, if you had said before game six, who's the best player in the series, what percentage of people would say James Harden? I'd say, I mean, just casual NBA fans, non-Bay Area? No, yeah, just, yeah, just. uh, 80? Yeah, I mean, it might be higher than that. Yeah, it would have been really, it would have been close to 100. But to me, if he's better than Steph, which it's a fit, like you can make that case. It's not by much when you take Steph at his best. So all of a sudden, Steph shows up. So who's the second best player in the series? Is it Chris Paul? Wait, say it again. Who's the se- who is after? St- sorry, the third after Steph and, and James. Let's just give. Let's just say James is the best player. Not even argue about it. Let's just say it. And Steph's two. Who's three? Well, I mean, in 2019, there is no chance on God's green earth that it's Chris Paul. It's Clay and Draymond. Okay, so you're telling me that even if you say James is the best player, the Warriors had three of the four best players in the series. Once Why you not? take Once Durant you out? Doing this exercise, yes. You sound stupid. You're like, how the fuck are they? I, I'm agreeing with you, but we don't do that way because it's more like they were so dependent. What's crazy to me is even people like me that, and you weren't like this, but I think most people even around here who have probably watched. Check the tape. You and me are a little bit of outliers. Probably watch every Warriors game of this run. And I'd say the majority of like Warriors fans have watched a high, high majority of all the minutes besides some blowouts where they turn off and go to bed, of this run, we felt it in game five. You're like, God, you don't fucking count these motherfuckers out. But then it's like, well, it's in Houston. It's a must win for their situation. It's probably going to come back for game seven. They have that as a backdrop. To me, then, the Warriors go in this kind of with just kind of do a gunfight, but just with machetes and go, you might kill us, but we're going to take some heads off. Yeah. And then it comes out. I, I think this is what it gets back to, though, more guy, that at the end of the day, and I think Tom Brady has benefited a lot from this over the years, is he's not just the best player, he's the most prepared, and he just wants it more, and he's just more clutch in big moments. Like, he's the ultimate package, and so was Michael, so was, like, Peak Tiger. Like, that is what Steph, Clay, and Draymond are. They're better than you. At the end of the day, they're just better than you in a big spot. Hmm. Second, they truly just want it more. Yesterday, Draymond, he was Instagram and maybe a humble brag, but he was at Soul Cycle. You got it. Clearly, you got to give him credit. Like he's all in on this this run now for the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Losing all the weight. Uh, you know, Steph Clay and uh, Steph and Clay, how hard they work on their game. Like they just deep down, it means more to them than James and and Chris. Here's the other thing too, guy. I feel I, I've been saying this forever. But I heard Bill Simmons say this on his podcast, and you know, I, he's a basketball historian. He's like, I, there's never been a bigger difference than the regular season and the postseason, just because of how little these players now care about the regular season. Mm. And I, I don't totally blame the players. They make so much goddamn money. The games don't matter. Your big deal has always been urgency. But it's like this second round of the playoffs is like a different sport than what you, if you turned on TNT in January. Yeah. It truly is. It feels, yeah, it feels closer to the NBA finals than it does any random regular season game. I mean, like that, both, I mean, we'll talk about Sunday. Those no, but, games. But, but, I'm not, but I'm not just talking about Warriors. I'm talking about the entire playoffs. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's what I'm saying. The Sunday, the two games we got Sunday felt closer to the NBA finals. Like, I'm going, wait, that was the second round? Well, but, and I'm not even talking game sevens, guy. I'm just talking if you turn on the playoffs, like when I felt when we were growing up, Playoffs get more intense, but I felt like I get Michael and Charles and Akeem. Like, you watch them on a normal night, like, they're going balls to the wall. It's not like that anymore. So it's kind of discredited. To me, it's discredited a lot of the regular season stats. It's why the postseason just fucking means more. 
Like it, it, it means infinitely more. And I think a lot of people would argue that over the long body of work, you know, the, the higher sample size, it just means like what CJ McCollum, what Kawhi, what these guys are doing means more now. There's more emphasis on it. And Chris and James continually shit the bed. Now, James has gotten better. Like, he can score at will now in the playoffs, probably more than he could four or five years ago. But some of those decisions, and don't get me wrong, the Warriors, of an all-time great team, no team's ever consistently turned the ball over more and just like, what the fuck was that? But in the biggest spot of the biggest games, beside probably Game 7 against the Cavs, which they did screw up down the stretch there, but in this game— the, the difference of how locked in the Warriors were in a situation they didn't have to win, where the Rockets were in a must-win situation at home, the turnovers from James and the flopping from Chris for all-time great players. Because I, I while I hate Chris and I respect James, though I think he's got some flawed ways he go about some things, it was pretty embarrassing. Like, that is a blemish on the resume, yeah. big time. Well, I think the Warriors are very much like the Patriots in that when you take a step back and you look at the dynasty as a whole, you go utter dominance, which is what it's been. But when you go game by game, season by season, there are all these moments where it's like, God, the Patriots could have two less Super Bowls. The Warriors could have lost games. Well, they that's not a good example because they lost that finals. But um, like the the margin of victory in game, Clay steps out. It's called out of bounds in game five. Maybe the Rockets come down and win. And if Steph doesn't go off in game six, maybe they don't win that series. Last year, if Chris doesn't get hurt, maybe they don't win that. I guess what part of makes the, the journey fun is like these individual posts along the way are actually smaller margins. But in the end, it's not that they got lucky all these times. It's not that the Patriots got lucky all these times. Lucky is definitely a part of it from time to time. But they are just consistently in these situations, and they consistently get, air quotes, lucky in these situations. At a certain point, it's because you're just better a at playing the game, but B at handling these moments than the other team, and that's One, that. That's what this team, that's what this Warriors team is about. It's like well, and I think there's you, two. You get lucky five times now, maybe you're just freaking good. To me, too, there's two parallels of the Warriors run now that's similar to the Patriot run. Their opponents constantly try to discredit them and talk about shit that just doesn't matter. Grigson did it with the Flake Gate. Everyone always did it with uh, Spy Gate, even though the whole league was spying and just no. shit like that. When, when when you notice the Patriots never spend time, Daryl Morey did it this year with the audit, which is an all-time embarrassing uh, blemish for the league, which oh, yeah, has done forgot, nothing. Yeah. Like, that happened. So, do you notice the Warriors don't worry about that shit? Like, do you know what they care about? The fucking game. Do you know what the Patriots worry about? The game. And you know, that that's why when you look at the teams that have kind of got over the Patriots a time or two, you know who wasn't a big, like, Let's worry about Spygate or Deflategate. The Giants with Tom Coughlin. What were they focused on? They matched the Patriots. We're just focused on football. When you focus on other shit with the Patriots and the Warriors, the refs, uh, the, the weird crowds on the road, you know, weird sh- you just shit that is beyond the fucking lines of the sport, you are going to lose. Going to lose. You know what's funny now, about that? Oh, go ahead. LeBron did it with the teabag. Of Draymond, or did Draymond teabag LeBron? I can't Draymond remember. Draymond teabagged him. No, yeah. LeBron teabagged him. Wait. He, the, yeah, Who LeBron kicked? teabagged, LeBron teabagged yeah, him, yeah, yeah. and then he kicked him. Yeah. Or pushed him. So LeBron did care about it, but he used it to his advantage to get Draymond out of there for a game, and that sparked the comeback. But then once the comeback happened, they focused on basketball. You have to, if you are ever going to beat the Warriors, it has to be 100% basketball-wise. And you're still probably not going to win. Like, if you are going to beat the Patriots, like the Eagles— 
strictly focus on football, and they're not going to choke. You may beat them, but they like to me the Rockets. I, I, there was a choke element to them of the turnovers, of shit in the bed, of looking tight, of just not having. They never have guy just a go-to play when it gets truly nut-cutting time against the best team that they're going to play ever, right? Of this run, that's the best team the last two years. It's just like, shoot a three! Can can you guys just, like, you notice the Warriors? They shoot a lot of threes, too. Not anywhere near the Rockets. But, like, they can move the ball. They can get a different look. They can just, they have so many fucking pitches. The Rockets have two pitches. They have a fastball and a changeup. And when it's working, they can strike out 15 and go eight or nine. To, to me, they never have when their shit's not on late in the game. Like, can they get out of the seventh with two runners on when, when they're a little tired? They, they can't throw the slider or they can't throw the curveball for a strike or get a, get a key strikeout. They always give up a big double off the wall. And that's where the Warriors, they've given up a double off the wall. But for the most part, guy, they're getting that K or getting that double play and they're walking off the fucking the line, high-fiving their teammates on the way to the dugout. So... Two things. One, it's one of the reasons I defend Steve Kerr, just because I feel like when that when they need a bucket, someone is always like open on a back cut. Like they just they they when when you when a coach is going to make a difference in a possession, I feel like they've always got it figured out. And part of well, it is they're hard to guard. Well, they're they're they hard to guard, options. and, and their, their players are probably the highest high IQ group ever. When you just factor in the four or five guys together, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has to be a basketball. There. Yes, no doubt. Their basketball IQ, and actually, just their real like they're, they're all just smart. Period. Well, and when you argue that most like people that are like God, Tom Brady's football IQ is so hard. Yeah, Tom Brady's a smart motherfucker, right? Tom Brady just he's just got a high IQ. He's so, a smart guy. So second thing, so I was I was calling the Stanford Cal baseball series this weekend, and this is what I was telling you. Like your story about how you watch the game is great because to me, this is what makes baseball and basketball so different than football. Whereas football, if that game, like if if it was Super Bowl Sunday or let's just say the AFC Championship or Wild Card Weekend, you wouldn't have been if it was a game that mattered to you. If it was like the Niners in that game or the Raiders, John, games that would have mattered equally depending on the opponent, um, you wouldn't have been like half on a date, half at a bar, going home at halftime. You would have been in a place. Everybody would just be where they are for football. But basketball, why I'd have been in front of my own TV right. by myself. That's right. But basketball and baseball is just like there's multiple games and there's weeknights and there's it just you, you like the schedule. Well, I kind of thought, thought there would be a game seven, so I'm like, yeah, it's not that big a deal, you know. So I was calling a baseball game, but I had the thing streaming. I was calling the game with JT Snow, and this is important in a moment. And then everyone in the press box is kind of watching the game, and the guy, the guy, a few people down, his stream was four or five seconds ahead of mine. So if he like reacted, I was always just looked down on my phone and I could see what was happening. And then I got home pretty late on Friday night and I got in bed and I had DVR the game and I had my earbuds and I just laid in bed and watched the second half of the game at midnight. And it was, I, it was such a great experience. Just like in bed, just, just cause it was so dramatic. Um, and actually what happened was after the game, when I left the, when I left Cal, the first thing I did was I went to Twitter and I looked up, um, Adam uh, Catalan. What's what's the guy? Andrew, Andrew Catalan from CBS. No, no. Uh, Adam Clan. Clan. I looked up his Twitter just to see, like, what's the other? Is it going to be one of those, like, the the journey was, you know, we're all in this together. No, he had tweeted at Clint Capella about what a failure he was. I couldn't believe, like, he tagged him in the tweet. Couldn't believe it, John. Couldn't believe it. Well, he's a he's an all-time loser fan, boy. Like, that's kind of been exposed here. Uh, but here was what you made me think of as an aside, which is, so I was just randomly talking to JT Snow this weekend because we're doing the game together about his dad. 
uh, and his dad had been the Rams radio analyst for many years until he died. And he was the radio analyst when the Rams... Because he, pl- he played for the Rams, Played for right? the Rams, started in L.A., then went to St. Louis with the team. So JT was at Tom Brady's first Super Bowl in 2001 because his dad was the radio analyst for the Rams. He's like, you know what's gotcha. funny? He said this to me a couple days ago. He's like, you know what's funny? I went after the game. I saw my dad. I met up at like the hotel lobby. And you know what my dad said? He's like, my dad goes, gosh, it's like they knew everything that was coming. Like they knew all of our plays. He's like, I'd forgot about it until the Spygate thing happened. And, my, and I guess his sibling was like, remember when dad said like the Patriots knew all their plays? Like, yeah, I do remember that. So the loser always has a. Uh, but again, but and this I'm is not where calling his dad a loser. I'm just saying when you're on the other end of that, you always have those stories. But the fact is, as time has played out, the Patriots have just turned out to be great. You know. But you know what's funny is I go back to that mindset, and I think the Rams and Marshall Falk said this forever. They blamed that they remember that they snuck in to their walkthrough, and that Bill knew all their plays, which I don't know if he did or didn't. But I know this. It's now been proven over since 2001. We're now in 2019. That Bill's going to know more shit than you. Yeah, if he had never won another Super Bowl, I think that would be tr- yeah, treat like, well, that story well, differently. Bill's kind of stealing. Well, maybe. But as I learned when I first got to the NFL, and it was right as the green dots and that stuff was coming, that signs went out, everyone was stealing one. Two, you were playing the greatest coach we've ever seen. And we just didn't know it yet at the time. So, yeah, he knew all your fucking plays. You know why? Because he probably worked 24-7. That might have been a Super Bowl where they were still on a one-week. That might have been the first two-week Super Bowl. I don't know. If it was the first two-week Super Bowl, it makes even more sense. Bill had an extra week to get you? No shit he knew. Because remember that? One of the big things on that game was like Bill had this crazy game plan against Marshall Falk because right. everything went Took through Marshall. He hit so a lot, right? Richard Seymour, Brewski would just yeah. follow him and crush him. And it was like, yeah, that's Bill's been doing that ever since. And again, back to the Patriots, I, I think these guys, and they've been discredited a little bit because Kevin came here when the irony was they should have gotten credit for it because they grew out and they flew out there and they, and Steph said, yeah, I want you to be part. Why wouldn't you? I want more help. Why wouldn't I want you to come here? If you want to come here, we'll, we'll teach you the ways of greatness. Steph said after the game with Scott Van Pelt, he's like, this was a pressure moment for us. The best player on our team was not around. He, he said the best. He called Kevin Durant the best player on the team. He's Steph Curry. He's got three chips yeah, and two MVPs. That. Like to me, you get like one thing about Tom Brady, one thing about Steph Curry. They are the ultimate all-time, probably in sports. Get it, guys? Does Steph truly believe that? Maybe, maybe not. Because I think there's a chance. Like, yeah, he just he knows it's the right thing to say. But just having the the ability to say that. On Sports Center, like I don't think most guys, like Dave no. Miller, took so much pride yesterday in CJ going nuts. Let him run the final play. Clearly in the huddle, they're like, "This one's for CJ." A lot of players of Dame status, first team All NBA, would want the ball even when he had just hit a game winner in the last series. Yeah, I mean, is it countless game winners in his life? I mean, you could argue besides Steph and like Kevin, he'd be right up there with like Kawhi, like all time game winning shots you'd want right now. He's like, yeah, give it to my fucking guy. Let's go win this guy. And then he's in tears after when they're winning because he's taking so much joy together. That's part of team sports. This isn't Tiger by himself or Martina Navratilova, like that drop, uh, by herself. Nice. Yep. Uh, it's just this is a group. And this group, when they're together, just like Tom, Tom would be the first to tell you, like, I need Jules. I need Gronk. I need Slater on special teams. Like, this is a t- – I don't do this by myself. Like, this is where James and Chris – 
especially James. He's so just dependent on himself. Their shit just gets weird because, like, everyone's kind of... I, I will, like, if I could just say this for James, I did think at the end of game five, like, part of the criticism he got is that he was passing too much, right? But, I, but I'm not... that That's stupid criticism. To me, this I game... I agree that stupid criticism. ...was like... He, he had a couple just horrendous turnovers that just, as a player of his level, that's now probably under contract for another $200 million, going to make like $500 million his career. There was a legit narrative, which I was kind of buying. Like, is this guy just a better ISO player than Kobe? Like, I, I, I'm sorry. It, his greatness in his regular season somewhat is rendered. There is something to be desired in these big games. Like, I, And I'm not arguing that just one-on-one to get a bucket, even in a game seven or a playoff game, that motherfucker can get a bucket, right? I'm not disputing that. But in just... He just gets in these weird spots. You can feel the pressure. How could he not feel the pressure, him and Chris, knowing that, like, God, this game's tied. They had been playing like shit. We're at home. They they got tight. And a lot of people, when you play Brady, when you play Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you get tight because they put the pressure on you. Because you just – you can't kill them, guy. You shoot them, and they just keep getting up. They keep getting up. Then you hit them with a bat, and they keep getting up. It's like you literally can't kill them. Again, they're, they're going to lose again someday, whether it's next year, whether it's the following year. But again, they're not going to flinch. They're not going to fucking choke. They're just going to lose. Like, to me, these other teams will, like, choke, lose. Like, uh, last night, I didn't see it because I was at dinner, but I watched it back on my phone. The Jimmy Butler takes it coast to coast. Like, to me, the Sixers didn't choke that no, game. No, they just they, lost. They just lost. But before we get to that game, though, uh, let's just talk about this other element. Game one for the Warriors is Tuesday. Blazers. Uh, Ramona says uh, Katie's not playing game one. Reevaluated Thursday, so probably not going to play game two. Uh, to me, which, the yeah, go ahead. The, the shitty part for if Kevin doesn't play the series, like the Warriors get a lot of credit for beating Houston without him, because like yeah, those two guys are just better than your two guys. Like to me, that they're. They're such a huge favorites against the Trailblazers, and they've already beat them a ton. That it's like, if Kevin didn't come back at all, and then they won the finals without him, they'd have, they'd get some credit for the finals. Re- but I don't think anything's going to change the narrative just for the Western Conference Finals, which kind of sucks because I think me and you just like I guy, I'd be okay if Kevin just does not come back. Not not obviously next year, which I kind of want him to leave, but I mean literally does not come back this playoffs. That's what I'm rooting for. Because I like that. I like that. Those no, guys. I know. Well, because what it is, is you, part of what makes it likable, right, is that you do know there's a chance they lose. Like, that's why game six was great, because you thought they might lose. And you thought well, if they lost game six to the Rockets, they might lose game seven at home. Like, that's why it was great. What, what if, like, like, the Eagles in their prime, like, when they were, like, in their prime prime, probably one of the biggest bands in the world, just, like, we've added... Just another lead singer. Steve Perry from Journey. He's just going to do some other shit. You're like, we didn't need this. You guys are sweet alone. But that, see, that's where, like, like the Beatle, part of the deal with the Warriors is when you, and this is where free agency comes into play, when it's, like, if Kevin Durant had been a Warrior from the jump, it would be different. Like, the Beatles were, were great from the start. They had two of the greatest singer-songwriters, right, together, and they just, no matter, every time they got together, they made... They wrote a song. But I'm saying once those two prove their greatness, they didn't need to add Don Henley to the group. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like, if they had not been together from the beginning and then they got together after they were individually great, it wouldn't have been quite the same deal. Although I did hear 
so there's a story out there that that like Jimi Hendrix tried to get Paul McCartney to join him after the Beatles broke up or something like that. Um, but that would have been a weird. That would have been a weird yeah, match. I, I, Paul McCartney says he never got that letter from Jimmy. Oh, they didn't have phones or anything back then. Huh? No emails. You had to like show up on somebody's doorstep. Didn't Jimmy die when he was like thirty? Yeah, Jimmy was young. I don't know how old he was, but I, I thought it was might have been in the twenties. Um, what year was it? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a little wiki Wikipedia. Jimi Hendrix, yeah, died at 27, 42 to 70. He had a short-lived little run. Wow. So he would he would have hit him up in the 60s, late 60s. Yeah, because the Beatles, I think, would have been like 68. Isn't that crazy? 69. He lived till he was 27. It is wild. His really his active years. I mean, one of the truly great short-lived runs in the history of of life, 63 to 70, like an all-time short-lived run impact. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but anyway, like that's part of it is when you come up together, it just feels different, you know. And I think we saw that in what Draymond said about them after the game about Clay and and. Uh, well, well, look Steph. at OK, look at OKC, right? Like those three guys together, it was totally. like organic. But imagine if after twenty five years old, they had all three got together. Exactly. And like, They're rigging the goddamn league. Right when it's Kyrie and KD together in New York, it's like oh, this again. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.